and worship this morning. Take your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 is our text this morning. We're going to be wrapping up Mark chapter 10 this morning and uh, getting ready for our Christmas series starting on December the 4th. Hope you're praying and inviting uh, this Christmas holiday season. If you have guests coming into town, uh, don't squander the opportunity to invite your family and have them sitting in church with you on Christmas. Uh, this year, Christmas Eve service is going to be on December the 24th at 4 p.m. We'll get you in and out in an hour or less, and you'll have an opportunity to spend uh, time with family, friends on Christmas Eve night. On Christmas morning, we're having one service at 11 a.m. that morning. Gives you time to get up, open presents, have breakfast around the, uh, the family, with the family, and then join us for worship on Christmas Day. Uh, the day we celebrate the birth of our Savior and invite you to be here on Christmas Day. Uh, today, uh, three weeks from today, is uh, 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 Felix and Taylor's wedding. And uh, we are so excited to celebrate with them. And they are... Taylor is our kids' director, and uh, her life is about to change for the better. Her mom and dad are, are, are thankful, and they're uh, wiping their hands of everything. We're almost done, all right? We're up just about... But uh, we're excited to celebrate with them this afternoon at 4 p.m. Uh, right next uh, right next door, I believe, in the teen room. And uh, if you have not had a chance to get a gift for them, give a gift card, uh, get them a card, and uh, just join us at 4 o'clock today. Just a great way to celebrate and help them prepare uh, for a life of joy and happiness together. And uh, happy Thanksgiving. How many are traveling sometime during the week this week? All right, you're going to be on the road, in the air, some, uh, some of you, a few of you. Uh, more and more, we're seeing as people are migrating to the, the triangle, uh, people, their families are coming here for Thanksgiving, and uh, we are hosting, I think we have about 20 coming to our house on Thanksgiving Day, and looking forward to uh, celebrating uh, our, our freedoms and uh, how much we have to be thankful for, and uh, so happy Thanksgiving, we're excited that you joined us today. Uh, Mark chapter 10, Looking at the, the title of the message this morning, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. We're going to talk about that song here in a little bit. Jesus and his disciples arrive in Jericho. They're on their way to Jerusalem, and Jesus will ultimately be arrested. He will be tortured. He will be crucified. And then three days later, God will raise him from the dead. Jericho is one of the oldest uh, cities that's continually inhabited in all of the world. It's located near the Jordan River where it flows into the Dead Sea. I've had a chance to go there and see it in person a, a few years ago. It's an oasis in the desert. But the, the road that goes from Jericho to Jerusalem is about 15 miles long. And it's gradually uphill as it's going up about 3,400 uh, feet in, in distance. And we're looking at this passage. We're going to see a blind man, Bartimaeus, who is desperately searching for the answer. He's trying to find what it is that's going to bring him joy and peace and fulfillment. I invite you to join us on this journey. It'll be on the screen this morning. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 46. This it says, And they came to Jericho. As he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. When he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, what's the word he says there? Have mercy on me. That was all by myself. All right, let's try it one more time. It's on your screen. It's not that, I hope it's on your screen. All right, let's try it again. And when he said Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, 
Son of David. Oh, that was so pathetic. Wow, I know it's starting. It's not even quite winter yet, folks. I mean, we're, we have coffee, we have cocoa, we have tea, we have everything you could possibly want this morning. So let's, let's try that verse, verse 47. It says, when he heard it, that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. All right, maybe we'll wake up before it's all over with. Many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. They called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up. He's calling you and throwing off his cloak. He sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts this morning? Well, there may be some that are dealing with physical blindness today. And, and Lord, it, it's, a, it's such a uh, huge trial on their life. And God, I pray that those that are, are suffering in this way, Lord, would look to you for, for strength and direction, for fulfillment and and for wisdom, God, I pray for those who are dealing with spiritual blindness today. God, that today their eyes would be open, the eyes of their heart would be open, and they would see the truth that you are the only one who can heal them. God, you are the only one that will fill that void, that hole in their heart. And God, would you speak to hearts this morning? Would you transform lives? God, would you do something supernatural and radical in our midst? We'll be careful to give you the honor and glory and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. All of God's people said, Amen. Amen. There are about 10 million people across the United States that have some form of blindness. Many of those are visually impaired with correctable vision. Many live, in, though, in total darkness. Uh, some uh, famous blind Americans are, are Helen Keller. Most of you have heard her name, Fanny Crosby, uh, who wrote a lot of the hymns that we sing. Uh, Ray Charles, Stevie Wonder, a lot of them are very musically inclined. One of my favorite blind Americans that I've read about is Charlie Boswell, who was blinded while fighting in World War II, while rescuing a friend from a burning tank. He'd always been a great athlete, so after the war, he took up golfing. He became famous and won 16 national blind golfing championships, usually shooting a score in the low 80s. In 1958, Charlie went to Fort Worth, Texas to receive the coveted Ben Hogan Award. And Mr. Hogan agreed to play a round of golf with Charlie. Charlie said, would you like to play for money? Hogan said, that wouldn't be fair. Charlie said, come on, Mr. Hogan. Are, are you afraid to play a blind golfer? And Hogan said, well, he, was, he was competitive, so he said, okay, I'll play for money. How much? Boswell said, $1,000 per hole. Hogan said, that's a lot. How many strokes do you want me to give you? Boswell said, no strokes. I'll, I'll play a heads up. Hogan said, Charlie, I can't do that. What would people think of me taking advantage of a blind man? Boswell smiled and said, don't worry, Mr. Hogan. Our tea time is tonight at midnight. <clears throat> Jesus never touched Bartimaeus. He just spoke the word and Bartimaeus believed. Your faith has healed you. Bart is a great example of how we exercise faith. All of us must have faith. In fact, Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. 
For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. I want to look at a few truths about faith and, and learn about spiritual blindness this morning because I believe God wants to speak into the truth of our hearts this morning. Faith believes even when you cannot see. This morning, faith believes even things that you cannot see. How many have flown in an airplane before? How many have had a chance to fly on an airplane? Our kids, I will never forget taking them to San Francisco uh, when they were almost two years old. They were one years old. They could still fly free. Uh, one of the longest trips of my life. And I've been around the world on an airplane before, but I'm telling you, flying to San Francisco with twin one-year-olds was quite the task. And when we finally get off the plane uh, back in Raleigh, I'm like, I think Southwest owes us travel vouchers because they sold so much alcohol to everybody around us because people were trying to escape the noise, you know. They're like, would you like to bring your child in the back alley and let them play so they won't scream, you know. And, and I'm sitting here thinking, I mean, there are people around us who are just throwing them back one after another. And I'm thinking to myself, we need travel vouchers. We've made thousands of dollars for Southwest Airlines. But faith believes even when you cannot see. Verse 47 says, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus was not only blind, he was a beggar. Every single day, he sat at the gates of the city of Jericho. Every day, he sat there holding out his hands, asking for, for money. Blind Bartimaeus couldn't see, but as with many blind people, he had a keen sense of hearing. I mentioned several of the famous Americans that were blind are, are musicians. And oftentimes, one area that they're, they're deficient in, they have much stronger senses in other areas. And so Bartimaeus knew something was going on. And I'm sure he asked the people around him, the other beggars around him, what's going on? What's all the noise? What's all the talk? Perhaps he'd even heard about Jesus and how he'd restored the sight of the blind in the past. And so he believed before he even saw any proof. Before having physical proof that God exists, Bartimaeus believed that Jesus was the Son of God. Imagine for just a moment if people around Raleigh-Durham, if people around the Triangle truly believed Jesus was the Son of God. Can you imagine what the churches of our city would be like? They'd be so overflowing, you couldn't build enough buildings, you couldn't build enough parking lots to contain all the people if people truly believed Jesus was the Son of God. If they believed that he could transform their lives. And a word would spread around the region so much that the parking tr troubles, uh, and you've not seen anything at, at Carter-Finley, you've not seen anything at PNC, they would rival the churches of our city. But to believe in God, believe is because it's something you cannot see. We're trusting by faith. Second Corinthians chapter 5, Paul writes, We walk by faith, not by sight. Bartimaeus, like him, he's, none of us have seen Jesus with our physical eyes. But we've heard about him. I believe in him because I trust God's word. And I believe that Jesus did come to earth. He did die on the cross. He did take my place. And folks, I'm trusting in something. He was born in Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago. I believe he died on the cross 33 and a half years later. And I believe that he is sitting at the right hand of the Father, folks. I believe he's preparing a place for those of us 
who know him as Lord and Savior. I believe Jesus is alive because he's working in my heart. He's working in my life. I've seen evidence of the Holy Spirit's work in my life as a, as a follower of Jesus. We see, secondly, faith also resists any barriers to Christ. Go back to our text in verse 48. He says, many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David. There's that phrase again, church. Have mercy on me. Bartimaeus had a faith that resisted any barriers. He couldn't physically see Jesus. He, there's no way he could, he could put... He couldn't put his, his faith... It couldn't be balanced on what he could see with his own eyes. But folks, he was trusting in something beyond those barriers. Something that he believed who God was. When he cried out to Jesus, the people surrounding him, they didn't say, hey, good for you, man. This is finally your big day. I mean, you've been waiting all your life for Jesus to come through your city, and this is your big day. Steve, you're going to get your sight. Now, that's not how they responded. They're like, hush, you're a disgrace. You're an embarrassment. Stop talking. Don't say anything. They're trying to get him to, to, to be quiet. They're rebuking him. They're discouraging him. When these people try to hinder you, what did Bartimaeus do? He resisted. He cried louder. He screamed. He, he yelled. He wanted Jesus. And the word, of, the word here is crazy. In other words, we get our word crazy. He literally went berserk. When they tried to keep him from Jesus, it made him even more enraged. He was going to see Jesus. He shouted, Son of David, have mercy on me. I like to think this is where the uh, amen corner of the church started, right here. <laughs> you weren't going to keep him down. There was not a chance. I, I joked some of these ladies over here. I, I said, y'all are sitting in the amen corner. I was like, I'm, re I'm expecting lots of excitement, uh, you know, getting fired up at the preaching. But folks, the reality is, is as we grow closer to God, you can't shut down the work of the Holy Spirit. You can't shut down when God is working. You can't contain a move of God. In fact, the Word of God says, if we don't worship, the rocks will cry out. Don't let a rock to take your place in worshiping God after all that he's done. We're to give thanks. He shouted, amen. He was proud, praising God. The Word of God says in Psalm 98, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Psalm 100, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. In fact, we're told to shout to the Lord no less than 20 times throughout Scripture. Faith also admits a need to be changed. Look at verse 51 of our text. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Maybe you read this question in scripture and Jesus is saying, hey Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? In my mind, maybe this is just how my mind works, but I'm sitting there going, he knows what he needs. He knows Bartimaeus is blind. Why is he asking him this question? How, why is he even entertaining? That? Why, why is he wasting his time? Jesus knows all this. But then you think about other people whose Jesus has asked similar questions. People that the man that led it, led it to the pool of Bethesda and Jesus asked him, says, what do you want? What is it you're wanting me to do? And Jesus uses it as an opportunity for us to acknowledge our need before a Savior. Bartimaeus is saying, I wish that you would heal my blindness. I wish that you would restore my sight. And they say beggars can't be choosers. 
But Jesus gave Bart a choice. He says, he asked him, he says, what do you want to do? Bart admitted his need for a, a change in his life. God, I want you to change my condition. I want you to change my, I want you to open the eyes of my heart. He began to confess that he believed Jesus could radically transform his life. What do you want for me to do? Bartimaeus could have said, can you give me the, 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 the phone number of a good eye doctor? Is there a, do you know somebody, a specialist over in Jerusalem? I know you're headed up there. Maybe you can give me the specialist I can call. He says, no, would you touch my body? Would you heal me? Would you restore my sight? In that one short prayer, Bartimaeus expressed his need and demonstrated his belief in the power of Jesus. He cried, Lord, let me recover my sight. And church, I'm convinced the best prayers, the best prayers we could possibly pray are simple, short, and to the point. God is not impressed. Lord, whithersoever thou goest, if thou wouldest, in all of thy power and glory. and God is not impressed by that. I remember watching a man years ago, and he stood, and boy, he was kind of raising his foot up in the air. And I was like, is he casting out demons? What is he doing? And, and, and he was using all these big words. And I'm sitting there as a kid thinking to myself, are we about to get struck down? I mean, what's about to happen here? And he's praying all these big words and, you know, whithersoever. And I, I, I don't even know what that even means as a five-year-old. And, and God's not impressed with that. Straight, simple, to the point. Keeping it, Lord, would you heal me? Would you restore my sight? And Jesus stands before you today. What is it that you want me to do for you? We can't, we can't, you can't pray specifically until you're willing to admit the need that we have in our lives. God wants you to say, I'm addicted to alcohol. God, would you touch my body and, and heal me of this addiction? Uh, Lord, I'm, I'm addicted to pornography. Would you touch my body and, and heal me of the, this strain, this, this addiction? Lord, I want to stay sober. I want my eyes to be pure. God, I've got a, a problem with anger. I've got a problem with bitterness or, or gossip. And folks, whatever it is, you fill in the blank. Jesus is there for the greatest needs in our life, no matter how big or how small. What he's saying is, he says, trust him. Call upon him. I will answer, Jeremiah 33 says, and show you great and mighty things which you know not. See, what happens is as we're praying, Sometimes I think we feel like, well, God didn't want to be bothered with our insignificant matters. No, he cares about every single need of our lives. Fourthly, spiritual blindness can be more damaging than physical blindness. Jesus recognized another kind of blindness besides physical blindness. He says, there's, we have a saying, there's none so blind as he or she who will not see. Jesus reserved some of his harshest words for those he spoke about with the Pharisees, the ultra-Orthodox religious Jews of his day. In fact, in Matthew 15, verse 14, he says, Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. He's describing them, people that are so focused and yet they're so blinded by their own inability to see the truth may have 20-20 vision and still suffer from spiritual blindness. There are three kinds of spiritual blindness. 
You might be blind to the truths about Jesus this morning. In fact, maybe you've met a neighbor or a friend or a coworker, or maybe it's an own, one of your own family members, and they're like, I don't understand why you people go to church. I don't understand why you give up your Sunday or why you go to a, a small group or why in heaven's name would you travel to India or Kenya on a mission team? Why would you go to Romania and, and help people in a village of people you've never met? Why would you go to some of these God-forsaken places and help people? And you're thinking to myself, you have completely missed it. It's not about me. It's about God working in and through me. And folks, if I can be a, a, the hands and feet of Jesus... And packing over 600 shoeboxes last week and, and sending them all around the world, folks. And if it opens the, the eyes of someone's heart to see that Jesus loves them, folks, that's the greatest thing I could possibly do with my time. And, and what an awesome thing to think and consider this morning as you've helped do that. You're helping point the world toward a relationship with Jesus. So many people are blind to the truth of God's word. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. See, it's not them seeing us. It's about them seeing Christ in us. The hope of the world, the one who will transform their lives. So maybe you're sitting here listening and you say, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe... Satan is actively trying to keep you from seeing the truth. Jesus is the Son of God. The English novelist Samuel Butler said this. He said, a blind man knows he cannot see and is glad to be led, though it be by a dog. But he that is blind in his understanding, which is the worst blindness of all, believes that he sees as the best and scorns a guide. Folks, so often we think we have the truth, we think we understand everything, and yet we're missing the truth of the gospel that without a relationship with Jesus, we'll spend all of eternity in a place called hell. There's a supernatural power at work to keep them blind. The devil's trying to do everything he can to keep them from seeing the truth. You might also be blind to, to some God-given potential in other people. I don't know if you saw in 2009... A young lady named Susan Boyle went on to the show, uh, Britain's Got Talent. She, uh, you need to look it up. It's absolutely one of the best videos on all of YouTube. Uh, and the video, 259 million people later have seen this. Here's a slightly overweight, frumpy lady shuffling onto the stage in front of Simon Cowell and the other judges. Simon is patronizing her. He says, what's your name, darling? She says, Susan Boyle. He says, all right, sweetie, how old are you? She says, I'm 47, and that's just the outside. And she's being funny, and people are making fun of her, and they're laughing at her, and she's stumbling over her thick Scottish accent as people are trying to understand what she's saying. He says, what are you going to sing? She says, I'm going to sing I Dreamed a Dream from Les Mis. The three judges all collectively look at each other as to say, why would you choose such a difficult song? The introduction begins, and she begins to sing, and the voice of an angel starts coming out of her body. She sings the first line, I dream a dream in time gone by, 
and the audience is shocked and stunned. They start cheering so loud you can hardly hear her. She sings the second line. Her voice gets stronger. The judges look at each other as if to say, this is absolutely unbelievable. And then it happens. Sour Simon actually breaks into a huge smile. And that's when the earth tilted on its axis. By the end of the song, the entire audience gives her a standing ovation. The first few times I watched it, I'm telling you, I bawled like a baby. When she walked out, everyone was blind to her talent. But folks, when she opened her mouth, it was the voice of an angel. Sometimes we're blind to all of the abilities of the people around us and how much they have to offer and how gifted they are. But sometimes we miss that potential in others because we're blind. We're judging. But thirdly, you may be blind to God's purpose for your own life. You see, you have eyes in your head. But Ephesians 1.18 says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Folks, God has a purpose for your life. Maybe you've been blinded to it all along. God's purpose, his will, his plan, what he desires for my life. God created you. And it wasn't just to go to school, get a job, make a lot of money, and then retire and wait to die. No, that's not the purpose of your life. He wants you to serve him. He has a purpose for which he's created you, and that's to bring glory and honor and praise to the name of God. And he keeps on calling you away from the values and the priorities of this crazy world. He's saying, no, there's so much more to life than just the American dream. There's so much more that God wants to accomplish if you'll just simply submit, surrender to his plan. He keeps calling you back to the only thing that will give you hope. Knowing him and living for him. God's purpose for your life is to know him and to make him known to others. In fact, we're called to lead and create disciples of Jesus. That's why we exist as a church. We need to help people who are blind to Jesus to see the truth of the gospel. The, the need that someone has to help them find Jesus because they're spiritually blind, folks. That neighbor who's lost, you have an opportunity to point them toward a relationship with Jesus. Maybe it's through a trial you're going through. They're watching your example. They're watching how you conduct yourself. How you have faith that supersedes anything that human comprehension can understand. God's purpose for our life is so much greater. Say, Pastor, what's the application? Jesus gave Bartimaeus... A new purpose for living. When Jesus called him, he jumped up and began to follow him with his life. He understood why God existed, why he created him. And folks, the only thing he brought to Jesus was his need. In fact, there's a line in a song that says, Nothing in my hand I bring, only to the cross I cling. Jesus didn't save you so, well, man, I'm telling you one thing, there'll be a powerful force in the army. Jesus didn't save you because he said, wow, I'm telling you, she'll be the, he'll be the best voice. She'll be the best musician. No, that's not how God works. He'll use us in spite of ourselves. But he doesn't save us 
Because we have something to offer the team, folks. He's the one that offers us a relationship with God. He's the one that offers us forgiveness. Bartimaeus was instantly healed, and he followed Jesus toward Jerusalem, toward a cross, toward an empty tomb. In fact, the passage here says he, he threw off his cloak. So I was reading some about this over the last week. That cloak was a, a security blanket for a blind person as they stood there on the, at the gate of a city as people would come through and they're begging for alms, they would give them a little money that they had and there were pockets inside of their coats. They'd put those donations inside of those pockets so that no one would see them. And it looked like they had nothing else. And so they would keep stashing it away. And he says, he finally took off that coat ran and followed Jesus. He's saying, I'm not going to be identified by my past. I'm not going to be identified by my sin, by my, my failures. I'm going to be identified by Jesus' blood and what he's accomplished on the cross for my sin. You see, what happens is when we choose to follow Jesus, it's not about anything we have to offer him, but it's about everything that he's offering us in a relationship with Jesus. In Acts chapter 2, the Word of God says there was 120 people praying on the day of Pentecost. I can only imagine one of those was a former blind man named Bartimaeus because he followed Jesus on up the road to Jerusalem. I can only imagine him saying, <laughs> I want to be a part of the first church of Jerusalem in reaching our city, our world with the gospel. And folks, his eyes were never more open than they were that day. So he understood what Jesus was doing there at Pentecost. I wonder today if your eyes have been blinded to the truth that you are a sinner. Can I just encourage you this morning? Jesus loves you. He does not care what you have done. His blood is more than sufficient to cover all of your sins. So, Pastor, you, if you knew me before today, you would not want to be around me. You know what? That's the very people Jesus died for. Paul says, I am the chief of sinners. And yet, Jesus met him on the road to Damascus and radically saved him, radically transformed his life. And that's what he promises for you this morning. Maybe your eyes have been blinded to the truth that you're a sinner. Jesus loves you, folks. He died on a cross to pay for your sin. Today, my prayer is that God will open the eyes of your heart and that you will trust completely in Him. The Word of God tells us today is the day of salvation. Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts this morning?